0: we say someone's cool we think of like the fonz you know on that yeah. old show we mean someone who is unaffected by the world on the other hand what does it mean to be a nerd mm-hmm. well it seems to me what what we mean by someone who's a nerd is that at least in, in regards to some area of life some aspect some thing some phenomenon they are decidedly not cool in other yeah. words they are very affected by it they have yeah. allowed themselves like this is so This is so cool. This thing is so interesting.
1: Three, two, one. Welcome to to another Nerding Out with That Nerdy Catholic. I am, as always, Seth Payne, That Nerdy Catholic. Uh, This week, we have a a guest that is... I get to see every single day, well, every work day. That's generous. Get to, get to. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking to uh, John Mark Grody. He is uh, a good friend of mine, but he's also my boss, and I get to see him every day at our office. And, uh, well, I was about to say something about him, but why don't you just oh, tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Me? Well, yes. Uh, yeah, so John Mark Grody. Um, I'm talking here right yeah here yes, yes. Um, I am the chief operating officer of the coming Home Network International which is a Catholic apostolate uh, helping uh, people become Catholic and, and networking those who have done so like people like like Seth mm-hmm. um, and so we work together there at the coming home network my father started that apostolate and so that's what we do uh, I'm married with five kids live in Perrysburg Ohio uh, I am I'm a, a student of philosophy. Somewhat academically, I'm still working on my master's. By working, I mean I haven't finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Seth bugs me about working, it once. No, working. Working, <laughs> working hard or hardly working. That's definitely me. But more important to me is that I've just, you know, for a long time, I've just been one who, like like Seth, is uh, likes to study and learn um, to try to answer my own conundrums and questions in mm-hmm. life and figure out what I'm doing. And so that's the reason I got into philosophy. It's also the reason I've uh, been hardly
1: working at it because I've been too busy with uh, kids. <laughs> philosophizing. And, yeah, yes. yeah,
0: the act, active on the ground philosophizing. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. To start off, I just wanted to share uh, just a short story of how John Mark and I met. Uh, we both went to this uh, Catholic New Media Conference in Boston when, a number year of years ago. That was Gosh. Uh, eight, no, maybe eight or nine years ago. I can't remember now. Yeah, um, we were both there. It was a day-long conference. Mm. We didn't meet each other. And right, right. there were the maybe three one, yeah. or four people. Yeah, I think both of us. That was the first one you went to. There were three mm. or four people that came up to me and they said, well, there's this guy here you should meet. Mm. You know, he, he works for this organization. You're, you're a convert. He works with this organization that works with converts. You should meet him. But I didn't get a chance. Yeah. But two or three days later, you sent me an email and you said, you know, I just want to introduce myself. There are three or four people that mm. told me, well, told you on that day, there's this guy here who's, who's a convert and you should meet him. Yeah. So we didn't meet that day. We started emailing. And then I don't know, I think it might've been, uh, that was in the spring. And a few months later, uh, I was driving out to Illinois with my family to go spend some time with my in-laws. And, you said, well, you know, you're driving out West. We're in Steubenville. Why don't you stop over and, you know, spend a night and we can hang out? Mm. And so I told my wife, it's like, well, can we, uh, can we take a little detour, go down to Steubenville and spend the night with, with this family? And she looked at me, she's like, but you haven't met them yet. Have you? <laughs> like, No. And you, you want to spend the night at their house? Yeah. What if they're weird? <laughs> what if they're crazy? We were weird. <laughs> they're we are weird. and continuing to be weird, <laughs> and uh, and I said, well, why not? You know, we've been emailing. You know that he he works for a Catholic apostolate, so he has to be at least okay, right? Because right, nothing
0: ever weird or off no, happens. Crazy.
1: No. Um, <laughs> so we did, and uh, and that that started it. And then the next Catholic New Media conference we went to mm. um, in Atlanta. Right before that, you said uh, you sent an email to a few people. Said yeah, hey. Just so you know, we're opening up this position at the Coming Network uh, for a uh, for a media and web person. And send this on to whoever you think is interested. And about fifteen minutes later, I wrote back and I said, I'm interested.
0: That's my that's my uh, my passive aggressive way of like. <laughs> I've done that before with positions. Been like, hey, share this with anybody who might be interested.
1: <laughs> Maybe you're interested. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. So. Uh, Yeah, so we've been working together for about five and a half years, and uh, I think it's been great so far, Yeah, Yeah. and I think just better things to come. Mm -hmm. But today, uh, we're going to just be talking a little bit about who you are, uh, about yourself, and then why you got into philosophy. So start off, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not much, but as Brother Rex says, I'm all I think about, so, (laughs) you know. Um, About myself. So I gave the, the brief intro, uh, but in, you know, in regards to this, um, well, where would
1: you, which, give me an angle I'd uh, right. to start in on this by. <laughs> yeah, One of the interesting things about John Mark is uh, not just himself, but who is he, he is related to. No, that's not the oh, most can, important thing angle, or interesting sure. thing about him, but uh, you are the son of uh, Marcus Grodi, who is um, in the right circles, you could say, a, a pretty famous convert. Um, one of the things that my wife always says about uh, Catholic speakers is that they are very famous in very small circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so he is uh, he is a convert. He was a, a pastor, but he now hosts the Journey Home. But you grew up. He became Catholic when you were small. So what was that like, uh, growing up with someone who was a convert and then eventually became someone who? Was a speaker and and host of a television show all about converts.
0: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, my dad was a Presbyterian pastor uh, up until I was about five, and so I didn't know much of what was going on at that point uh, in his life. I just knew he was a pastor, and we had this this cute little church community, and we sang Bible school songs, and he would preach. and I, I don't have tons of images at that time, but I have some. I do remember just the community and um, me being basically contented with with life, and then it stopped. And I don't have an image of this, but uh, Dad tells about you know having to get down on his knees and explain to me that he wasn't going to be a pastor anymore. He was going to be preaching, and I apparently cried. I don't remember what I was thinking or feeling, but um, but that life was coming to an end. And why did it come to an end? Well, he was um, he was wrestling primarily with lots of things, but primarily with this issue of authority. Uh, as, a, as a Presbyterian Bible preacher and his, his ability, his authority to be uh, speaking authoritatively on important issues of Christian uh, doctrine and belief. You know, mm-hmm. when someone would ask him in the hospital, you know, Jerry, my husband is dying. Is he going to go to heaven? Um what, what, what does he say to that person? Um, he can give the standard Presbyterian lines on that, but of course knowing that right down the street are Lutherans and Methodists and and um, Baptists and other people um, that might give a very different line, but they would all claim to be uh, speaking from the same scripture verses in the same Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just uh, that wore on him over time, and it was partially a doctrinal issue, but it was more of kind of a personal discernment issue of, Lord, if I can't, know that I'm where I should be doing what I ought to be doing, uh, speaking what is true, that I, I really don't have business being here. And so that led eventually to him, not necessarily leaving the, the Presbyterian pastorate to become Catholic, but, but leaving it uh, because he didn't feel he had the, th- the authority to teach. And so he left, we actually went to get back into engineering for a while. Um, and then the, you know his, his, his kind of spiritual intellectual journey um that portion of it sort of completed he became convinced of the Catholic faith and entered the faith. so I that was about, I was about five so I grew up we had moved to Steubenville, Ohio. he got connected to the Franciscan University mm-hmm. um, and I I grew up uh, hearing him tell his story um, you know being exposed to the sort of people he was talking to. he was kind of developing a, a circle of Uh, as he met other people, other pastors in particular, who'd made the same journey, and he was starting a network around them. I grew up around people. So I grew grew up around a certain group of people, these Mm -hmm. Protestant pastors and lay people who loved Jesus, who um, had something that sparked this intellectual journey of of Mm -hmm. asking the question of, is this the church that Christ started? You know, Is there more that he uh, intends for me, that he calls Mm -hmm. me to? And then becoming convinced of, uh, the truth of Catholicism, and so coming home to the Catholic Church. And so within the church, being this 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 kind of person who, again, comes with all the evangelical um, Protestant gifts that the Holy Spirit has worked, you mm-hmm. know, love for the Bible, love for testimony, sharing your story, being excited about a personal relationship with Christ. But in the context of the Catholic Church, with all the rest of the good stuff, with the sacraments, yeah. with, with all that. And so I grew up hearing their stories, uh, and their, their witness and their conversations with other people. Uh, and that, that was really impactful for me, you know, all of that. Um, uh, in terms of, you know, being being famous in small circles, my dad, you know, yeah, within the Catholic world, you know, he's he was invited to do the Journey Home program on EWTN, which has uh, been running now for about 25 years, a uh, very popular show. Um, and it was, it was just normal for us, but it, I think the more important piece of it was just that we... Um, I was very blessed to just meet and hear the stories of so many interesting, mm. cool people, many names that, you know, the audience would recognize. Got Hans and Jeff Cavins, Curtis Martin is my youngest brother's godfather you know, of, of, of Focus. You know, he's a
1: pretty popular speaker. So, yeah. I think the thing that's interesting about his journey is that uh, I think it's easy for a lot of people who don't know much about, uh, the Christian faith, to mm-hmm. think of it just as something that you accept. Yeah. And that you you go to church, you accept what they tell you, mm-hmm. you don't really think about it, and you say, okay, Jesus loves me, I accept that. This is what I'm supposed to do, I accept that. But you don't put a lot of thought into it. Mm-hmm. And the the journey that your father made, and that, that many uh, converts, from, especially from the Protestant world into the Catholic Church, have in common is that they spend a lot of time thinking about it mm-hmm. and, uh, and reading about it. Yeah. That, that there's a lot of intellectual journeying that they take. Um, maybe they grew up in a tradition where they didn't give a lot of thought to what they believed and why they believed it. Right. Um, but especially if someone comes from a very anti-Catholic background, they need to wrestle and think through a lot of things before they are willing to take that step.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, that gets me, I mean, this is a tangent of stuff to come later, but just thinking about the similarity between um, a sort of closed-down fundamentalist type Christian or Catholic Christian, someone who just accepts point-blank the, the, the stuff that's given to them and holds on to it and mm-hmm. refuses to really think through it, And so too with sort of the new atheists uh, and and secular mindsets of our modern world that, again, just accept the philosophical and Mm -hmm. theological assumptions that they are just absorb from the TV shows they watch and the headlines they read. They don't question them. And I think anyone else who does question them is an idiot. (laughs) Um, Whereas, you know, I I have developed a lot of great friendships in college with uh, atheists and agnostics and pagans and uh, non-Catholic Christians. Whenever I met someone else who was trying to understand, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. their current assumptions were, their current beliefs were, they always recognize that, hey, Mm -hmm. just because I believe it or just because I assume this doesn't make it true. And so my whole life is a constant holding of my beliefs out here a little bit and recognizing these are, this is the current working hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I encounter something that, that, uh, that throws a little bit off, then, oh, that's an opportunity to learn more. And I, I shared that with him because that's how, I think for any for any serious Christian, that's a bit of what your faith is. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're um, you're always trying to figure out. You know, what uh, go, go a little bit deeper. Well, what does this mean for my life? You know, how is my current understanding of God or of the universe uh, not quite right, and how is that translating into how I live my life? Like that's you It's a constant working hypothesis. Yeah. You know?
1: yeah. One of my best friends through middle school and high school, mm-hmm. uh, he at the time he was involved with. Uh, this new age group, and um, and we would talk all the time. You know, before homeroom in the morning is when we talked a lot, and we would get into really deep topics about our faith and what we were experiencing, our spirituality. And I I would be very open and honest with him about what I was reading in scripture. I wasn't saying it as as, as if I was saying you know this is the truth you have to accept it. I was just like this is what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge part of evangelization, but I was listening to him as well, mm. and it's this, it was a it was a wrestling, it was a thinking through. and it wasn't just a this is true, I don't want to hear what you have to say because what you're doing mm. is not true, but really you know talking and being open about it. What I want to talk to you about now is mm. what got you into philosophy? Uh, what was the beginning of this this journey of really getting into this process of thinking through? Thinking. In
0: my dad's uh, testimony and the people that I met, I, I certainly, I think I picked up a a sense of um, of always wanting to to learn and to explore. You know, a, a yearning to keep keep moving in truth. That it was, uh, I was never my knowledge was never a static and finished thing. Truth is truth, but my picture of it in my head is is always imperfect. And so, um, this desire to keep on moving and understanding and learning. I picked that up from them I think and it was it was impactful to me. Uh, into my teen years, um, I liked being Catholic. Uh, the whole thing made sense. It looked good. Made sense on paper. Um, I did get to a, a time, especially uh, as I looked ahead towards my future and my vocation, and at the same time as I was wrestling with a lot of personal teenage sin, you know, just bad habits and just. You know uh, that time of life where you're like, oh gosh, I have to like be responsible for myself and my actions, and my habits, and I could make some really dumb mistakes that could ruin my life. That was making me wrestle with okay, wait, I a lot of this I have accepted just because it's my family, but mm-hmm. you know, do I really, um, you know, not questions about Catholic versus Protestant, but but just of God. At all, you know about mm-hmm. the under, the whole thing. I wanted to to make sure the whole thing was true. And the re- and another thing that's kind of sparked it for me is precisely experiencing in the church both those people like my father and uh, and others, and, and 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 experiencing those people in in their story of like saints. You know, people I wasn't experiencing bodily, but in their story, their witness, uh, for whom this was all very real and impactful. What they believed. Mattered in their life, it changed the, the decisions they made, the way that they lived, and then other a lot of lots of other people, lots of other people around me, for whom it really didn't seem to do so. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes that's a little bit of projection, probably on my part, my my, my teenage presumptuous part. There was probably a lot more of those people, many of those people's spiritual lives mm-hmm. than I saw, but it it seemed like for many people, the church was just this nice club that they went to. Uh, I remember somebody said to me once. What, what faith means is that we just, I'm not, we're not really sure, but we believe this and we, we hold to it and we'll know for sure when we die. If it, and mm-hmm. I was like, that's not what I, <laughs> I, I didn't sign on for that. That's not what my, my, my dad's relationship with the Lord seems like. That's not what the saints seem to, to mm-hmm. experience. Um, if, if, yeah, that, that didn't, I, I wanted, so I wanted to understand. What do we mean by putting faith in mm-hmm. Christ? Does faith simply mean I don't know, and I just decide I'm going to believe X, and I'll find out when I die? Is
1: that mm-hmm. what faith really means? Is, that... it ju- is it just that simple leap of faith that we just take and not really think about? It, is it? Is it's caricatures in the culture,
0: mm-hmm. or is there something more to it? And it may not be. There may be something more to it that, again, is still rather mysterious. But is it simply that, or is there something more? You know, when the church proposes to us that we do come to know and experience the Lord um, in a, in, a, in a, again, an ever deeper way, in prayer, and in, and in the providential guidance of our lives, and all that, is there is that what I should be expecting, or am I expecting too much? Is that mm-hmm. just is that the piety, and is the the, uh, the the blind faith of the people around me is that is that more the reality? And I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted to know that because that I didn't find that terribly attractive. So that set me. Off on a course of digging into stuff that I hadn't dug into before, you know, Mm -hmm. really digging into, you know, the philosophical questions about, oh, yeah, how do we. It doesn't seem to me to be uh, precisely a point of faith of whether we know that God exists. I think that that's something throughout history, uh, on the one hand, that Christians have had a certain amount of faith in, but on the other hand, um, made no bones about this is something we can come to know reasonably. Mm -hmm. And you can't necessarily come to know Jesus as a person. Um, strictly through reason, just like I can't come to know another person in terms of a relationship, strictly mm-hmm. through reason, th- through having a dossier of their data. But I, you can come to know about them, that they exist. You can come to know a lot of things about the universe simply by reasoning uh, and examining. And that's what a lot of what philosophy is. And that was the part that I I was digging into for the first time. And so uh, in some of my academic study, uh, in my conversations with other people, a lot of my my... My thought and searching for a number of years uh, was into yeah the philosophy of yeah what 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 is the nature of the universe what is the nature mm-hmm. of reality what's the nature of thought and reasoning what does God exist does the universe make sense without God mm-hmm. you know what what would it mean for the universe not to have a God what would it mean for a universe that just seems to always have been is that not just a replacement for God if, there, if the universe is sort of this eternal thing that just exists mm-hmm. for no reason. Um, and then, you know, uh, questions more close to the faith itself. You know, what does, again, precisely what does the church mean by faith? Um, I really appreciated the, uh, the catechism. I finally got into it, the catechism of the Catholic church. You know, whatever someone might think of it from the outside. I mean, it is a, a well, it, it is the, the treasure, the product of intense thought for 2,000 mm-hmm. years not by people who were shying away from truth and hard questions, by people who, I guarantee you, they were more boldly and courageously challenging the, mm-hmm. and exploring the questions than you or I ever have or will. And this is the product of that. And it it doesn't uh, open and shut the door for you. It invites you uh, into greater questioning. And so the some of the language I found in there about faith, what faith means, faith is man's response to God, and... Um, uh, about the, the, this interplay of God's grace in our in our act and striving to come to know Him and mm-hmm. to to imitate Christ, it was re, it was really good. And so, the intellectual journey uh, culminated in in the end to um, in my university parish, spending lots of time in front of the Blessed Sacrament and, and kind of rediscovering the Lord in a more personal way. But it was it was kind of in the midst of this this intellectual journey. And so then mm-hmm. during and after that then I've always um, retained this, this searching heart, the searching mind yeah. to want to understand and to know. And philosophy means love of wisdom, you mm-hmm. know, and so it's not just a body of knowledge. In fact, it's not even primarily a body of knowledge. It's more of a virtue. It's more of a way of being. And I picked that up and I've carried it mm-hmm. with me, I
1: think. Yeah, the um, what you're saying about the, the catechism, it, it is mm. such a well-reasoned-out book. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, that was my own experience reading through the catechism when I was looking into the Catholic Church, was that, uh, one, as an evangelical, I, there's nothing in it that I could disagree with. Yeah. Um, but two, that here is, here is a, a look at the faith that has so much more reason mm-hmm. than I had ever experienced as an evangelical. Mm-hmm. Really looking deep, you know, the, I had read through the, the first section goes to the creed and the fact that there were four or five pages dedicated for every single line Mm. of the creed that had references back to church documents, references back to scripture, but really dug deep into every single line and what does this mean and how do we believe it and how do we understand it. So going from being interested in philosophy and yep. wanting to learn more about philosophy to actually studying it as a, as a master's yep. program. What was your thoughts as thoughts, as, <laughs> thoughts is. thoughts precious. Thought <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> what is it? Got it. It's nasty little <laughs> thoughts. This is precious. <laughs> what were your thoughts as far as what am I going to do with this? Mm in something more deeper, maybe maybe yeah. even professionally that you wanted to to study it on that level. Sure. Well in my undergrad,
0: I don't think I ever had well, what does why does one do philosophy, right? I mean, you know, I'm gonna become a professional philosopher. Freelance for a philosopher. <laughs> like a you know.
1: philosopher for hire. I didn't figure I
0: was gonna necessarily be writing books. I, I never really had an interest in academic philosophy. In other words, philosophy tightly constrained to an academic department and that was gonna make an academic career. I never figured that, but it was just clear to me as I got a taste of it that whatever college is for, unless I'm going to to study the skills of a specific trade, um, it, it's about learning to think well and to express myself and to be a person who goes out and finds answers, you know, and can mm-hmm. and do something with the information. And so, um, I started out doing I was doing some theater and doing some uh, an English major. Um, and I ended up just consolidating it all and, and focusing on philosophy. And that, so, you know, again, before getting to that master's program, I took some awesome, interesting classes at Bowling Green State University. You know, a couple kind of general critical thinking, you know, logical thinking classes where I just had great conversations with fellow classmates. Um, you know, this Protestant gal uh, that I had good conversations with, this atheist guy that I still get coffee with once in a while. Um, the, one of the be- best classes I took was a class on the, the thought of Nietzsche, you know, which I mean, he's mm-hmm. a crazy man, but crazy, crazy people are not irrational people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hyper rational, you know, mm-hmm. from their premises that they're starting with. And he was one for whom following his premises which, you know, are a lot of the premises that have seeped into our thinking today, you know, of kind of uh, certainly an atheism and sort of nihilism, but taking those out to the lo- logical conclusions. You have people who hold those mm-hmm. in this sophomoric way these days in terms of what they've just picked up from reading on the internet, but they don't live them out. Mm-hmm. They don't think them through. They don't take them seriously. Mm-hmm. He was such a shocking writer because he really followed things to the logical conclusions. That was one of the coolest classes I took. Uh, I took a class on, you know, the philosophy of the mind, you know, what's the nature of the mind and thinking, and is the mind just a computer and do we have free will and all that kind of stuff. And that was a challenging class It came right at the time of of when I was, man, I was really wrestling with with all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I came out of it, um, yeah, really benefiting from, from the difficult, hard questions and thinking about, yeah, the nature of, of the human person, um, Later on, again, I was blessed to be able to work on my master's, uh, not because I, I needed it for a profession. Um, I was already, I mean, blessed to be able to work with my father in the communal network. But I, I just was still interested, and in, I, I mean, everyone should be a philosopher, and everyone should do, should do philosophy to try to satisfy their own curious curious questions about the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a professor who really uh, 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 impressed that upon us. That, I mean, that that should be your drivers that you should have real questions that you want to answer. Not because you want to write a paper to impress somebody or not because you want to get a job, but you should be in touch with the own aspects of your being in the universe that, that bug you a little bit. And you should be trying to answer those, not to someone else's satisfaction because you can't Mm -hmm. always do that, but to your own satisfaction, you should be working those through and getting to the bottom of them to the place where you're at least satisfied with kind of how you've understood them. And so I was, um, I was doing that. I had, I had questions about virtue. I had questions about art. I've always been really interested in the nature of art and the aesthetic experience mm-hmm. that I, I was interested in studying. And so I got all the way through my classwork. I've never written my paper. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get back well, to that someday.
1: But. If you, uh if you think that John
0: Mark should finish his paper, then come and babysit my kids, and I'll uh,
1: <laughs> I'll get to work on it. I'll Give go sit in the corner and read. Put your email in the uh, the comments, and we'll uh, start setting up a, a babysitting <laughs> babysitting train. Yeah, gosh. Well, there are a number of uh, questions and, and thoughts that I have that that we're going to mm-hmm. delve into deeper next week, um, because we're going to delve deeper into what is philosophy, why is it important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think it's it's really interesting then that you you decided that this is so important that i want to do you know a masters about mm. it um, do you think that there's something that you will end up using that more for other than, outside of just really right. being able to do philosophy in your in your everyday life
0: well i think that is what i do and that's what i'll continue to do and so like you know i mean it comes out everywhere because it's just been one continual thought process and exploration mm-hmm. and refinement of not just like you don't just go out there and explore ideas like like you would watch a, a documentary oh that was mm-hmm. really interesting but like you're learning stuff because you're actually wrestling with the questions and then mm-hmm. the, then you're refining those in conversation and then that's changing how you talk about things or how you explain yeah. things. You know, conversations with my wife, conversations with my kids that are now of ages where I'm trying to explain more difficult things to them about the world and the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm blessed to do, you know, some of these kinds of things, media things, mm-hmm. interview type things. I have a, a show with the Coming Home Network where we, we talk about different aspects of the spiritual life. And it's not strictly philosophical, but it all really is because mm-hmm. it's, it's trying to understand things as they are. You know, a love of wisdom, that's what philosophy means, love of wisdom. And wisdom doesn't just mean simply data, processing data. It's looking at data and stepping back and trying to get the point. Mm -hmm. That's what a computer can never do. Mm -hmm. A computer can process and map a lot of data, but it can't stand back and understand, to Mm -hmm. stand under and and get the point of the thing, to see the Mm -hmm. meaning of the thing. That's what we as, as, as rational beings can uniquely do. Hmm. Uh, and so that comes into yeah, and, and yeah, every conversation and
1: <laughs> yeah, so. and that makes me think of uh, you know a few weeks ago we had on uh, Adam Schroeder who who works in um, in engineering and robotics and mm. you know, we had a really interesting conversation about machine learning how mm. machines learn compared to how we learn and it, and it makes me think of you know one of the things we talked about mm. was the the process right now that we are going through of more and more acceptance and, and looking into and, and seeing how we can use automated systems like driverless cars. One of the processes in figuring out how cars can drive themselves mm. is what do you do in a situation where you know a bike comes out into the road right and so on in that area you have the you know a real life situation, of you know what do we do in this situation do we do we do we break do we turn what this way or that way in philosophy you have the the, the trolley problem right. which is a um, much more of a, a thoughtful situation that that is in a way is the same and what a what a, as you said what a machine can never do is say well why or mm-hmm. a machine can't give purpose or meaning to one thing or another it it can just calculate you know probabilities
0: yeah machines can can in some certain sense machines can do science we're gonna talk a lot about this next time i Mm -hmm. think but it can do science but it can't do philosophy Mm -hmm. there really is a different a qualitative difference between the kinds of questions um you know it can look for patterns and it can follow its instructions on how to act on those patterns etc you know but again it can't Answer the question of why the heck are we doing this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Should this be done? You know, yeah. What 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 are we working towards? Yeah. You know, if we have if we if we've identified a good end, well, what does it mean for it to be a good end? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why why not a bad end? You know, like yeah. you know, uh, we take these things for granted, but um, but it's always there. And the problem is with unexamined unexamined assumptions is when they're not serving us well, um, unless we're examining them we don't know how to do differently than we've always done.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I don't think we want a smart car to be going down the road and then say, well, I could continue going and hit this one person and they're just a, a construction worker <laughs> or I could veer off to the left but I'd be hitting, you know, the president. Oh, and so uh, I give much more value to the president, so I'm going to keep going straight. You know, we don't we don't want our machines to be making those kinds of value judgments
0: right right yeah I mean and which they will because that's just a, that's following instructions in some sense a machine can be a utilitarian you know if a machine has perfect access to to, to our criteria of what pain and pleasure are mm-hmm. what relative values uh, might be we can program them, those in we have and we can have a machine that will carry out the utilitarian calculus for us. Mm-hmm but it can't answer whether the utilitarian calculus is a moral thing to do right. in the first place or whether the values we've plugged into it, programmed into it, are the right values or they're in the right hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, That's yeah. the que- kind of questions that only we can ponder yeah. and answer. Yeah,
1: well, I'm sure, as you said, <laughs> we're, we're going to go deeper into that uh, next time. Mm-hmm. But to end off, yes, this is always the, the first or the last question of the first episode with the guest. What are other than philosophy? What are a couple of things that you really enjoy <laughs> nerding out about?
0: Yeah, I laugh because you had this on the outline, and yeah. of course, my first thought it was precisely, oh, but what do you mean by nerd? <laughs> like <laughs> that's one of my things to nerd out about is precisely looking at uh, bits of language that are so common to us, uh, old you know phrases and words, and and really trying to understand why, what do they mean? How do we use them? What do mm-hmm. they mean? What did they used to mean? Where they come from? And what I find it so interesting even about, about this program or about that question is like what does it mean to, to when we say a nerd mm-hmm. or a nerd out about something what does it mean um, and what came to mind is oftentimes you know in pop culture nerd and like being a nerd and being cool are often mm-hmm. counterposed mm-hmm. right uh, you think
1: about the yeah, the movie the movie series the reje- revenge of the nerds <laughs> right. <laughs> right so what what do those mean right what, what does it mean to nerd
0: out about mm-hmm. something and so the other on so one on the other extreme Coolness. I've always found it fascinating. One of My favorite comic strips, Calvin and Hobbes. There's a comic strip where Calvin is being cool. He's standing. He's, he's leaning against the wall, his arms crossed. He's got sunglasses on. He's like, I, you know, I, that's, that's how you know I'm cool. I got sunglasses on. And and Hobbes is questioning, like, well, what what does it mean to be cool? And Calvin says, you know, cool means that the world bores you. <laughs> I was really mm-hmm. impacted by that because mm-hmm. I was like, no, that, that's right, right. When we say someone's cool. We think of like the Fonz, you know, on that yeah. old show. We mean someone who is unaffected by the world. Yeah. Whereas you or I might see a beautiful painting and be like, oh, that's a beautiful painting. He's like, yeah whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what coolness is, at least in some sense. I mean, these words are used, you know, in a, a wide range. But it seems like the essence is someone who is cool, not literally temperaturely <laughs> cool, but figuratively cool to the world. Mm-hmm. They're not impassioned. They're not inflamed by the world or by things around them. They're cool. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, what does it mean to be a nerd? Mm -hmm. Well, it seems to me what what we mean by someone who's a nerd is that at least in in regards to some area of life, some aspect, some thing, some phenomenon, they are decidedly not cool. In other words, they are very affected by it. They have allowed themselves like this is so this is so cool. This yeah. thing is so interesting, so fascinating that they've completely lost their cool about it. Yeah. And they don't really care about that fact yeah. anymore. I don't care well, who knows it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and as we were talking in preparation, thinking yeah. about the person that that loves comic books so much that they don't care if people stare at them and give them weird looks because they're walking down the street in a superhero costume. Right,
0: right. I mean, one description of uh, the opposite of love is uh, indifference, right? hmm that's kind of what coolness is, right? Yeah. So being a nerd in some sense is being someone who l- loves a certain thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that I, I'm, not, I'm not cool. I'm a lover. Like when it comes to my wife, I'm not cool. Yeah. Like, no, I'm head over heels in love with her. I, yeah. I'm not cool about my kids. I mm-hmm. love them. And so with that in mind, <laughs> what are some other things that I love? Man, so I, yeah, I love... I love um, the, the literature of Tolkien and mm-hmm. uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton. Those are kind of my three guys. I just love their writing, their thinking, um, both on the fiction side, um, the kind of the, the poetic fiction writing side, as well as just their, their practical philosophical thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those guys, man. Um, Teresa and I like to buy and smell, uh, literature, literature themed candles. that has been our, <laughs> kind of our gift, Christmas gifts back and forth the past couple of years. We have this whole big basket and David, he's got he's this kick lately where whenever, uh, father Peter, my brother comes to town, there was one time he was in town and he, he brought down the, the thing of candles and was smelling them and David starts smelling each one. Mm-hmm. And he just was like obsessed with smelling these candles. <laughs> and so now every time Peter <laughs> comes, he's like, ah, he's, he's, he's like trying to get the candles down. So those are kind of cool. We like coffee. It's something we share. Mm -hmm. I've gotten into coffee about, uh, I mean, I've drank coffee for a long time, but about 10 years ago, I really started paying attention to like how I made it. And I watched a bunch of videos and Mm -hmm. I noticed that, "Mm, well, you know, if it's, if you get fresher coffee and you grind it yourself, it tastes very different. Uh, And actually, you know, I I noticed I would feel very different if I was having old stale gas station coffee (laughs) versus like some nice fresh beans that I'd kept in a canister. So Yeah. And, uh,
1: and John Mark and his wife, Teresa, do a show mm. on Awakened Catholic. Mm. And uh, last year I was on with them and we were talking about that very topic yes, exactly. about being a connoisseur. Yeah. And, uh, and I think we're going to do another one at some point looking at, you know, how does that bridge over from being a connoisseur to being a nerd? Uh, <laughs> get more into that. But yeah, talking about what does it mean to really get into something? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, this is nerdy Catholic, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think there are, that coolness could be a virtue or a vice. I mean, mm-hmm. in, as with most things, there's a thread of truth there, where like we imagine a great saint going to face martyrdom. Mm-hmm. There's a certain coolness there, in the sense of there's a there's a decision to be unaffected by danger mm-hmm. or by threat of of the uh, a merely. Uh, death of this mortal life yeah. because you're, you have your eyes on something greater, your yeah. integrity, your honesty, speaking the truth, uh, uh, cl- holding on to what you what you know is true even in the face of, of threat. There's a coolness there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, one of these guys, oh, I thought of JP2. Oh, Chesterton. They, they, a lot of the great saints and thinkers, there's a coolness to mm-hmm. them, but it's in, in response to the right thing. Mm-hmm. In response to God, yeah. in response to our neighbor, we shouldn't be cool. We yeah. should we should be deeply affected by them, yeah.
1: Um, and so, yeah, thinking of the the virtues and vices around coolness and nerdiness, is interesting. Yeah, and uh, and John Mark and I are in a men's group together, and I think that is something also that is really important to make uh, make that it's important in your life. You know, the fact that you know we can meet every week, you know, pray together, wrestle with. Life wrestle yeah. with you know what what is the meaning of our faith in our life together. Yeah,
0: yeah. You should probably play it more cool regarding like politics, yeah, and <laughs> news headlines. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But for the people and things that are close to you that really are important, we should be lovers. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, be sure to come back next week. Yeah. We're going to be talking much more about philosophy. What is philosophy, and why is it important? We're going to look at, a little bit into the history of philosophy. And, and looking at how do we do it in our everyday life. So come back for that. I want to thank you for joining us on today's Nerding Out with That Nerdy Catholic. If you want to support this channel, head over to Nerdy Catholic Tees. Pick up, I got uh, my Ohio rosary shirt. I think there may be 13 or so states that are represented there right now. If you come from a state that's not represented and you want to have your own rosary shirt of that state, just let me know. And uh, pick up your own nerdy Catholic merch. Show off your nerdiness and your Catholicness at the same time. So, John Mark. Brother. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having and me. We'll see you next week. Good. See you next week. Bye. Just am shut down.